Hello and welcome to Combos with Chloe after miscarriage, pregnancy loss, and infant loss. So you have already possibly listened to the first segment of the five steps of grief. Um, it has been extended to seven, but we're going to focus on the five that have been traditionally used when it comes to grieving a loss. Um, of course, what has happened to you, what happened to me is a form of grief. And I went over in the first episode in regards to those five steps of grief, but just as a reminder, it is anxious. Anger, bargaining, acceptance, depression, and denial. Um, they go in a certain order, but one thing I have learned is that you can repeat steps. Um, sometimes you don't go in that order. I know for me, I went straight into anger, bargaining back to anger again, a depression portion of it, denial, um, and then depression again, and then I got to acceptance. So in this segment, I wanted to talk about bargaining and denial and also depression um, because I feel like all three of those definitely go together when it comes to our loss. Um, Definitely the depression part. Um, Probably the denial and the bargaining issue with it probably goes along a little bit quicker just because when it comes to a loss like that, it's not much to bargain um, no denial because it's so apparent because you don't have a baby anymore, whether that was within you during pregnancy or losing that child. So in this segment, I will be going over depression, bargaining, and denial, and I hope and pray it helps you in this process. I'll be back in just a second. Hi, and welcome back. So as I was saying with this segment, I'm going to go over denial, bargaining, and depression when it comes to the stages of the five steps of grief. Um, Of course, as you go through those steps of grief, once again, you will go in different orders. Sometimes you go in order. Sometimes you repeat. Um, And so I wanted to go over denial, bargaining, and depression and start off with denial. I wanted to go there first because sometimes that one comes really fast even with the anger one because you're in the midst of that situation and you immediately struggle to accept what's happening so it makes me think of two situations that happened when we lost our son the first thing was we were waiting so long to finally get to the back in a bed and my bleeding was getting worse and worse and I finally remember um, actually getting in the bed and I could feel that I had pushed my son out and they came to the back and they could tell things were getting worse and they didn't know I pushed my son out, but I knew. They came to the back and they were doing an ultrasound and they just was like, we don't see anything. And I was just sitting there not saying anything, even though I knew. And I think because a part of me wanted to believe, maybe I didn't feel what I thought I felt. Maybe they still will see him. Maybe I didn't push him all the way out. I wanted to hold on to some kind of hope that I had lost him. The second thing that happened were when we actually did get to the other side of the room with the actual doctor, you know, they cut off my clothes, et cetera, and everything, you know, came out. Um, and I remember the lady asking us, do we not want to know the gender? Did we want to know um, or do we want to see him? At first I said, no, you know, I was like, I don't want to see his face. I don't want to know the gender. Um, and then after I settled down, I was like, yeah, I want to know the gender. And that was when she said a boy. 
And I thought to myself, if I don't see this boy's face, I will regret the rest of my life not seeing him. Well, I remember saying, yeah, I do want to see him. I want to hold him. My husband at the time was livid. No, no, I don't want to see him. You know, that's too much. And I was like, well, you know, you can walk out, <laughs> you know, because I want to. And that was his way of dealing with it. And I'll talk about that in another segment in regards to your spouse and how they're dealing with the grief, how it can affect your marriage. But I remember he didn't want to see him. And even when my parents came up, we I was blessed and so grateful um, that they were able to see him before we cremated him. And even at the funeral service, my husband still did not want to see him. Now, at the time, I actually was not upset at all that he did not. And um, I'm not even bringing it up now in a negative way. I'm just showing you different ways of how people deal with things. Uh, my ex-husband had dealt with a ton of deaths in his life. And the way he dealt with it over time was to kind of push it to the side, move on. So his way of dealing with it was to never see him and um, really didn't want to go through the process of grieving about him. Almost wanted to act as if like, oh, it happened, but, you know, moving on type of thing. And I, like I said, I'll talk more about that in the future. My way of dealing with the denial was in the beginning, right when we lost him. And sometimes it wasn't a good feeling remembering that nothing was in my tummy anymore, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, you know, I was just kind of just not ignoring it, but struggling to really accept that part. I feel like that's a definitely, when you think of denial, that's what it is. Um, it gives you time to gradually absorb what's going on. It's definitely a defense mechanism so that you don't have to actually feel what comes with the grief and the death. And you use this to kind of numb what's really going on. Um, and that can be really dangerous um, because when it's time to actually have that really confront you in the face that it happened, this is usually when you will break down really bad because it's something that you can't avoid. This is something that's going to happen and you're going to have to process it eventually, no matter how much you try to avoid it. And so I'll talk more about a second portion of this in regards to the acceptance phase. Uh, but I remember when I decided to do a memorial service for my son. Like I said, I'll talk about that in the future. And um, I had to where all of us kind of said thanks to Solomon and it got to my ex-husband at the time and he uh, totally broke down. And this is a great example of, you know, even when we don't want to accept it eventually you're gonna be confronted with it but if you allow yourself to be confronted with it then it allows you to actually process it now the issue though is that sometimes even when you get there this is where we get into bargaining now for us that can be really hard because you're kind of in this helpless vulnerable state and you, you, that may look like, God, um, you know, help me please to get through this. Can you please take away this grief right now? If you do, I'll serve you forever in the church. If you do, you know, I'll let go of this sin. And you try to bring up all these different things. Bargaining can also look like, though, you trying to come up with solutions or ways that maybe this could have been avoided. 
for me, I was thinking about, oh, what if my doctor would have caught this when I told her I bought Moss on Mika's Club? What if when I went to the hospital, they would have got me to the back faster? What if, I mean, you think about all these what if, what ifs, what ifs, because it's a form of bargaining. Maybe if this didn't happen, this would have not happened. God, you know, what can I do in the future to prevent this? Because uh, I feel like if this wouldn't have happened, then maybe they would have prevented it. You go in a lot of places. Um, and it really can be a sad feeling because after you realize there is nothing you can bargain to get your child back. Nothing. There's nothing you can do to make him come back. There's nothing you can do to change that you lost your child. There's nothing you can do. When you realize that, that's when you go over to depression. Now, we go through denial and bargaining because we're trying to avoid depression. Um, depression can be a very scary feeling because sometimes we're afraid of what will happen to me if I am depressed and sad about this. Will I make it? Will I become suicidal? Will I go and break down? Will I lose my mind? Will I always feel like this? We try really hard to avoid that because we don't like that feeling. Um, it's sad. It can feel very alone at the time. It's somber. It's isolating and sometimes even overwhelming. And for me, what I did, um, sometimes I would cry in front of my husband at the time. And sometimes I would... Um, allow myself to cry in the middle of the night. And I, you know, said in the first second, my thing was journaling. Um, it's really important that you allow yourself to be sad and cry and depressed. Don't think that you have to do things um, like, oh, well, you know, God said to always hope in him, you know, and that um, today is the day the Lord has made. I should be rejoicing and glad in it. Don't think for one minute that you have to fake that you aren't sad. God knows you're sad. He knows you feel depressed. And it's a scripture even that talks about, you know, those who hope in the Lord, you know, they should never feel this way. But that was said to remind us that even in the depression, eventually we'll get better. But he's not saying to you that it's an issue for you to be depressed and sad. He knows that you're sad. He's sad with you. He knows what you went through has hurt you, that it can feel overwhelming, that you want to cry every day about it. And he's okay with you doing that because many times that's when God meets us right in the middle of our sadness, right in the middle of us being overwhelmed, right in that moment of quietness and isolation. You'll find yourself being around people and they'll say, oh, you know, you don't need to, you know, deal with this by yourself. You, you know, talk to us, you need to do this. And I'm not in any way saying that you shouldn't talk to people. I'll get in that part when it comes to how to handle this. But isolating yourself sometimes can be a, in a good place because when you're isolated, you're never really isolated. God is there with you. And God loves that time with us because there's no outside noise of people telling you things. There's no, you have to put on a face to make people feel like, oh, I'm okay with this. I'm okay. It is a raw moment of you crying and being upset and asking God things that you never thought you'll ask and thinking things that you never thought you'll think about God. And I talk more about that in my devotional. You'll see even some things that I said that I couldn't believe that I was saying to God. 
But in those moments of isolation, in those moments of feeling overwhelmed, that's when God comes in and he gives you this peace. Um, I remember being so depressed, wondering if I would ever not feel this way. I mean, this went on for months. And God met me every single time. He gave me peace and he reminded me he was there in the hospital and that he was there with me right then. And when I would be nervous about being overwhelmed, he would remind me that I could handle anything with him. That yes, is very overwhelming when you're trying to do it by yourself. It's never overwhelming with God. He will give you the strength you need to get through this. He will give you the peace you need. He will give you this feeling of him hugging you and comforting you. I remember allowing myself to stop and thinking about being in the arms of God and thinking about him letting me cry on his shoulder and cry on his lap like a baby. He's with you in those isolating moments. He's with you in those depressing moments. Don't try to bargain out of what has happened. It can't be changed. And don't try to be in denial. It can't be changed because what's happening is as you're trying to bargain and deny yourself what has happened, deny to yourself what has happened, you're not allowing yourself to receive healing. And in the next part of this, I'm going to go over how to handle this and how to get to that healing part of this as you go through these steps. I'll be back in just a second. If you are finding yourself struggling to deal with this miscarriage that you experienced or pregnancy loss, and you would love to talk to somebody, love to be able to have someone walk with you step by step and get guidance and help you process your healing, I wanted to introduce to you Caring Counselors Coalition. I went through counseling quite a bit over so many things in my life, divorce, moving, and of course, the miscarriage and pregnancy loss. And even in the midst of that, sometimes I would find myself not being able to afford it or insurance when cover it. And so I created Caring Counselors Coalition specifically for this reason. If you go to www.chloemgooden.com, click on ministries and counseling and therapy resources, you will see there that we offer counselors who can help you through this process. And we hope to not only be able to provide you with counseling resources, but also financial assistance so you can get the help and healing that you need. To find out more about this service, um, go to www.chloemgooden.com, click ministries, and then counseling and therapy resources, and you will see how to apply. And I hope we are able to help you heal, receive hope and guidance. God bless. Welcome back. So as we've talked about with the beginning of this segment in the denial, bargaining, and depression, and how you were going to go through these steps and may even be still going through those steps, I was going over in regards to when you get to that depression side of the five steps of grief and how when you get there, you kind of get to this place of since you're one-on-one with God and dealing with the emotion versus trying to be in denial about it or bargaining, it can be kind of hard just because it is 
can, or can be kind of lonely or can be overwhelming. And so I wanted to go over with you how to handle all three steps, but also specifically the depression one, um, just because that's the main reason why you go through denial and bargaining as well as anger, um, because you're trying to avoid the depression. And so as you go through it, um, so you don't feel like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Can I handle this? It's going to be overwhelming. What if I can't do this? What if I freak out? What if I break down? I mean, so many things come to your mind. The first thing though, I would definitely say is give yourself time to be in the depression stage as long as you want to. Now, I don't mean be depressed to where you're not going to work, you're not doing anything, you're in your home 24-7 for a year. That's not what I mean. What I mean is give yourself the time to process in a way that you're not judging yourself for how you feel, that you're not trying to mask how you feel. Uh, masking how you feel may look like, oh, you go to work and you're just like, oh no, you know, I'm okay. You know, I, I trust the Lord and, you know, I know that he's going to bless me with a child in the future and we're okay. We're okay. Um, or trying to mask yourself by yourself with a bunch of scriptures and feeling like you don't have to feel a certain way or you shouldn't feel a certain way. Um, or also just not even feeling like you need to give yourself a moment to grieve. Allow yourself to process this. Don't feel bad about it. Don't feel bad to tell your uh, family, friends, hey, I just need some time. I'm really not in a place to go out like that. I'm not in a place to have people come over. Um, you know, ask your spouse, hey, right now, can you handle, you know, whatever chore you usually do in the house? Can you handle the kids? Or, you know, if y'all already have children or can you handle helping me with the house? I just am not in this place to do anything or if you need a couple of days i really do suggest to see where you can get support within your home first um because that's where you lay your head every night um so any little thing that can be done i think i remember my ex-husband um started making breakfast i think a little bit in the morning and when i went through my surgery um and small stuff like that uh was really helpful and not be having to actually worry about day-to-day -day tasks um another thing is to allow yourself to actually feel the feelings in the process. So if you feel sadness for a lot of days, let it be sad. If you feel depression coming on, allow yourself to be depressed. But I do ask that as you feel, start reaching out when you get to a place to counseling. That was why I created Caring Counselors Coalition because I remember how much counseling helped me. And I remember, though, being in a situation where I didn't have the funds to do it. I didn't have insurance. And that was why I created Caring Counselors Coalition so people can get telehealth um, and get it at a low cost. Don't have to worry about insurance because counseling helps a lot. You get to get out how you feel outside of just the journaling so that you can have kind of have that feedback and discuss how you feel with someone um then they won't tell you how you should feel they'll just help you go through those feelings if you even feel like you need to see a psychiatrist um to get medication to help you cope i am never against that um one thing i know is that god has given us all gifts to cultivate the earth and what that means is that he's given us all gifts to help us to help each other to help the earth to help it prosper to help it continue to be what he's called it to be. And that's okay if you end up taking medication. I started taking Zoloft. I am not ashamed at all to say I did that. Um, it helped me. It, at the end of the day, it helped me. And God used that 
to save me in that moment so I could keep going as I use faith and prayer and counseling. Do not let anyone tell you, oh, no, 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 you don't need to take any medicine. As long as you have faith, got to get you through it. No, it is okay to take medication. The issue that comes with medications are kind of when you depend on it only. Always have it where you're doing medication. You're also doing counseling. You also are praying and talking to God. Truly needs to be a triad type thing. But if you're getting to a place where you feel like it's getting kind of dark, please reach out to a psychiatrist or a counselor. See what they can do to help you to get through this. Do not feel bad if you get started. Um, so if you start taking medication, it's not taboo. It is not, you don't think that you were, you don't have a certain a level of faith because you didn't know that it's not what it is. Do what you need to do to get through this because nobody is going through this the way you are. This is your story. This is your situation. You do what you need to do so you can get through it and don't let anybody tell you how to get through it. As you go through counseling, allowing yourself to grieve, getting out your feelings, allow yourself to go to counseling as long as you need to, allow yourself to be on medication, medication as long as you need to, but make sure in the process of all of this, stay very, very, very close to God. My faith in God increased tremendously through this. And the thing is that it didn't happen in a month. It didn't happen in two months, three months. I mean, it took me, what, a year and a half to even get to a place to be able to encourage you about this. It takes time. If it takes you going to counseling for a year and a half, if it takes you taking medication for a year and a half, if it takes you um, having your isolated prayer time with God, do it. It will allow you to go through these steps, go through depression, and get to a place of acceptance. And in the next segment, I'm going to talk about this place of acceptance, how to get there, what it feels like, and how you can continue with your life after the situation has occurred with you. As always, I hope this has helped you. I thank God um, that you are listening to this because I know this is God helping you and answering your prayers, I hope. Please know that God is with you and that I'm praying for you. And as always, God bless. I pray that you are having a beautiful life on earth and have eternity in heaven. God bless. I hope this episode helped you. As always, you can go to www.chloemgooden.com. Click on ministries and after miscarriage for any other resources of hope, encouragement, and healing. Until next time, I hope you have a wonderful day. God bless. As always, you can visit ChloeMGooden.com for more books, blogs, podcast topics, as well as resources. You can also contact me there for any questions and or also if you have anything that you want to inquire about with the podcast, as well as speaking events. As always, I hope that I'm able to lead you into healing, hope, strength, and fulfillment through Christ. And make sure to subscribe so you can learn more about the Chloe M. Good Ministries, as well as stay up to date. Until next time, God bless.